work-life balance. Is that even a thing? I mean, we all struggle with it so much, especially with all of us working from home now and the majority of us creative professionals working from home, regardless of what's going on around us. So today on the podcast, we're going to examine the idea of work-life balance and how we can really get the most out of it. I'm interviewing Megan Doherty, who is a digital marketing specialist with a background in online small business development and digital course creation. Now, she's been working from home for years, and she's had the opportunity over those years to work with hundreds of business owners in a variety of industries. We talk all about working from home, working with a business partner, and how to really get the most out of that situation so that you're productive, happy, and well off. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Welcome to the Well-Paid Creative Podcast, where we discover how to run a profitable and satisfying creative business. I'm your host, Gabrielle Chipier, and I'm going to share with you what I've learned in my 17 years as a creative pro, building my own business from barely scraping by to thriving. From attracting quality clients to charging what you're worth and creating amazing work you love without the risk of burnout and overwhelm. But I don't know it all, so in this podcast, we're going to learn a lot together as I interview experts and reflect on my own experiences, both the good and the bad. Before we dive into the show, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, hop on over to wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. All right, let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Well-Paid Creative. I am here with Megan, who is a digital marketing specialist, and I am so excited to interview her today. She's got lots of amazing tips, and I can't wait to dive into it. Uh, So, Megan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Gabrielle, it's a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get to be where you are here? And kind of let us know your, your path along your career and well, it was kind of an interesting uh, path. I, I fell sort of backwards into marketing because I was a, I was a baker at the time, and I was a little oh, tired really? of. I, I had dropped out of business school, and I was working in a bakery, which I loved. It was great, but I was like, you know, a desk job is sounding pretty good now that I'm, you know, on my feet baking all day. So I went to Craigslist, as all people did in the early two twenty tens, and I found an ad for a marketer's assistant, applied to it, got hired, and uh, ended up starting at a very early stage startup, um, which let me grow with the company and kind of get a really good education in marketing. Um, It was all about online marketing education, business development, worked there for six years, um, started doing some some left, you know, we parted ways, Uh, did a bunch of freelance different projects. And then an old friend from that company reached out one day and said, hey, do you want to start a business together? And I said, well, with you, absolutely. I love you. You're great. Let's start a business. And then we figured out with her background in commercial radio, mine in business strategy and development, we should produce podcasts. And we've been doing that ever since. Wow. So podcast production is kind of the main thing that you do now. It is. Yeah, we do um, uh, a little bit of online course development as well. A um, tiny bit of video work, but really it's it's about making the podcast week to week is how we spend most of our time. Oh, wonderful. That sounds fantastic. It's so, a lot of fun. What would you say kind of guided that change from working for someone else to, you know, taking that leap to open up your own business there? A lot of it was, um, I mean, it's it's internet marketing startup world is the industry that we're in, and it's intense. It's on a launch cycle, um, which, I mean, if anyone listening has worked in a launch 
boom or bust kind of work framework. Yeah. You're working all the time and it's really hard. And of course, I'd started my career there. I thought this was completely and totally normal. Um, and after you know, about six years of it, I just started to think, you know, this has been great. I've learned so much. It's been a really good experience, um, but I'm ready to try different things and do things in different ways. Um, and and I had been teaching people for so long how to run their own businesses. I thought, well, this is, I guess, the thing I professionally know how to do is run a business. So I just, it, it seemed like the most appropriate next step was to try and do something on my own, having gotten all this wonderful experience, helping others learn how to do things on their own. Um, and, and, being able to make the decisions about, you know, how much time you're investing and when you're working and all of these things has been tremendously satisfying. Um, I really liked being able to be the person in charge of those decisions. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I like being in charge too. It's good, totally. isn't it? it feels good. Yeah, it does feel good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for everyone, but boy, if it is. <laughs> so what would you say has been some of the biggest lessons you've kind of learned along the way? Oh, um, in terms of, of like running a business and then building something from new. Yeah. Uh, I think getting really clear on personal priorities um, is a huge one um, because often, you know, day to day, even when you have like a really well-balanced business with a great team members and wonderful clients, it can be really hard not to get sucked in to every little detail and paying attention to every little thing and worrying about every little thing. So figuring these are setting the priorities list. No, these are the things that actually, you know, would need to keep me up at night or need to keep me working late or that I need to be devoting so much of my energy to and being really intentional about what those things are. Um, I, I think that's one of the bigger lessons I've learned in the last couple of years is, is not everything can be a five alarm emergency. Oh, <laughs> and <yes>. so <laughs> you've got to decide what in, in advance, what is going to be an emergency and kind of devote your energy accordingly. Oh, I love that. Cause it's almost a, a, another way of setting a, a type of boundary around, exactly. around your own energy and what you are willing and willing to, and not willing to, you know, jump out of your chair for. Yeah. And that, that was a, a particularly hard one uh, to learn. I thought because at the, the company that I worked at and done all of my learning at and where I kind of un, like started to understand this is what business practice is. We had a pretty firm 24 hour during the week response time on emails. I still haven't quite been able to shake that. If I leave an email more than 24 <laughs> hours, it really makes me anxious, <laughs> but you know, not everything needs an immediate response. And that's, that's something I'm still working on. Oh, and I, I'm totally the same way because <laughs> when I first started out, that was kind of one of my, I prided myself on to be able yeah. to respond to people really, really quickly. And then unlearning that habit is definitely a hard one. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know. I noticed like when I'm emailing someone else, like if I'm emailing a company or a provider, I'm always kind of delighted, but surprised if they get back to me on the same day. Yeah. You know, I don't expect it from other people, but I very much expect it from myself. Yeah. You know, that's a really good insight, you know, what we're willing to do in our own businesses and for our own clients is often not what we expect other people to give back to us. Yeah. Really good, uh, good insight there. <laughs> so I know when we were chatting a little bit about work-life balance, so mm -hmm. how does that present itself to you? Like you started your own business. So I'm assuming that you're working from home as you're, mm -hmm. as you're running this business. So what's kind of been your experience with that and how have you brought that work-life balance into your career and your business? Well, a lot of it had to do with, um, you know, earlier in my career, um, working a, a 60, 70 hour a week would be a very normal thing. You know, working through weekends, just that's the way it is when you run this kind of business. And and figuring out how to change that took a long time after making a change and then being, you know, a, a freelancer first and then running a small agency. Um, having a closed door office within 
my dwelling has been super, super useful. Um, so, you know, I've got an office. It's not in my bedroom. It's not in the main area of the room. So I can actually, at the end of the day, shut the door um, is an mm. important thing. But I think even more than that, um, it is just setting a personal schedule and then sticking to it. Um, and it's kind of ties to what we were just saying earlier. I wouldn't expect my team members to be constantly available and constantly working whenever I happen to, to send them a note. Um, why would I expect that of myself? And, and why should I train people to expect that of me? So, um, you know, it's pretty clear. I, I don't answer emails on the weekend anymore. Um, and unless there is a, a real emergency, I'm not working in the evenings for the most part either. So I think mainly it's just been practice, you know, setting the boundary, deciding this is important. And then actually it takes some discipline to, to follow that. Um, but I think it's well worth putting in the effort to, to learn how to do it. Absolutely. So what would you say was the first kind of steps you took to establishing that balance and those boundaries? Um, white knuckling through an email through a weekend without checking email. <laughs> and it really, it felt, it felt like white knuckling it. Cause I, it was, mm -hmm. the business was so new and, and my business partner and I, we were talking, I was like, you know, we're, to be honest, we're not making enough money to be paying attention to this 24 seven. Like we're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, she and I made the commitment together. No, we are going to work on, you know, more, let's, let's call them standard business hours. And that's, you know, our clients work standard business hours as the kind of companies they have it. It's appropriate for us to be working at the same time they are. Let's chill for the rest of the time. And, and we almost kind of had to support each other a little through the first couple of weeks when we were doing it. Um, but it, it, yeah, it was just getting through the first one. And once it becomes habit, it was so much easier to kind of turn off and make it uh, set the expectation with other people as well that, you know, this is a time when we're not available. So I think the first step was deciding to do it and probably having some accountability. Oh, yes. And accountability is a big thing. And it's mm -hmm. it's so nice having a business partner because, oh, yeah. you know, you guys can support each other in those kind of collective decisions and then mm -hmm. also collective like execution of those decisions. Right. Exactly. So if someone is just in business for themselves and it's just them, what do you suggest that they do in terms of getting accountability around those types of boundary issues that they need to white knuckle through? Oh, gosh. If if uh, if someone is starting out new and if they have a friend, whether or not you know, they're working on the same business, but who is also being self-employed or starting a new company, um, just teeing up with one other person, um, I think is a really good thing to do. Like networking groups and masterminds are wonderful, but there's almost too many people, I think, for it to be a really good direct relationship. I think one other person is the most helpful amount of humans to help with, with accountability, especially if you've got similar goals and similar schedules that you're trying to keep to. Um, and you can develop a business friendship as well. I think that that helps a lot um, to have someone who knows you and likes you well enough to say, hey, no, you said you'd stop working now. You actually have to. Uh, mm. And then be, feel comfortable saying that to you. So I'd say look for other people maybe in your area or online, however it is, but someone in, in a related or similar industry who you can pal in together with. Wonderful. I love that. And you know, and that really helped me out too when I was first getting started in my business. I had a really good friend of mine, Megan, who had, we were kind of a powerhouse at our last actual real job. She was <laughs> a writer and the copywriter and I did the design and development work. And That's a good we team. became really good friends over the years. And as we grew and started our own businesses, she does a production and uh, a playwright company. And I was doing this design and development and we would check in and we would, mm -hmm. and a lot of the times it did kind of develop into, you know, maybe bitch sessions or gripe sessions and stuff. But just knowing that I had someone in my back pocket who I knew understood what I was going through and could maybe shine a light on what I wasn't seeing because, you know, you're so close to it. Right. I think that's a huge point too, is someone who gets it. 
Um, cause you know, you can have to say the most supportive spouse in the world or really great, uh, friends who, who, you know, aren't, aren't entrepreneurs and they'll be empathetic and they'll care and they'll support you, but they don't really have the same understanding of, you know, maybe the stresses or the responsibilities or the, the roller coaster that can be involved in, in doing it on your own. This has been an absolutely amazing interview and I don't want to take you away from it, but I just wanted to let you know that I have a brand new guide that I think you're going to get a lot from. It's called the three pivots for creating and selling profitable packages. And I know it's going to be right up your alley. So if that feels like something that you want to work on, go to wellpaidcreative.com pivot and grab your copy completely free today. So are there any other things that really helped you establish that work-life balance? Um, this one might seem a little odd. Um, and it's that I'm, and I'll preface this by saying, I really like my company and I really like our clients and I really like the work that we do for them. It's, it's fantastic. It's stimulating. It's creative. It's interesting. It's helping people. Um, but it's not my overwhelming overarching passion. Mm. Um, uh, I like the business and I love running the business, but you know, I don't, stay up at night and dream about producing business podcasts. It's, uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> and, and I think that has been a really important point because there's so much of a culture of you have to do what you love and it'll never feel like work, which mm-hmm. translates into you can be working all the time and that's going to be great because you love what you do. Well, I think if you like what you do and you're good at what you do, it's perfectly fine to do that for seven hours a day and then stop because then you can do other things that you like to do. Um, so I, I think building a business that I like and enjoy and take pride in, but that you know doesn't fill up all my checkboxes for things that I'm absolutely passionate about and that drive me forward as a human, um, I think that helps hugely. Uh, and it took a long time to come to the realization that, you know, you can start a business with something that you're just good at and like, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be the thing that. you're most passionate about in the world. Absolutely. And I love that. And you know what? And it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off too, because we don't have to feel like everything we love doing has mm-hmm. to be monetized. And I remember in a previous yes. episode, I interviewed a fellow named Jesse Martin, and he is an amazing NLP and hypnotherapy coach. And we were talking about how not everything you do has to be monetized. Some things can be just for you. So like, I love to paint, I love to crochet, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to be, you know, knitting baby blankets for, you know, to sell on Etsy as my next passion project, because that's just what I do for myself. Right. So taking that pressure off and then having that extra activity that you can do just for fun is so important. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, uh, I do ceramics and treat it exactly the same way. It's like, I, please don't make me monetize my hobby. Yeah. <laughs> please don't make me do it. Yeah, right. Because there's a lot of pressure that comes from that. And I remember kind of going through a phase where I thought, oh, maybe I will become a, a painter and sell my paintings and stuff. And that just made it not fun. <laughs> it, it just, it sucks the joy right out of it. I feel kind of like I'm nowhere near good enough of a potter to try selling them anyway. So that, that's quite relaxing. But, uh, uh, you know, I was in a, a conversation on just this topic on Facebook um, about kind of how our generation has uh, has lost hobbies because there's this constant pressure to be monetizing. And it mm-hmm. almost brought up the heart that for a lot of people, there's that pressure to be monetizing because, um, you know, traditional work is so scarce and precarious. Um, mm. that it almost feels like you can't afford to spend time on something that couldn't be eventually monetized just because you don't have the security to do so. And that uh, yeah, that, that stopped me and made me think about it for a minute because I feel it's, it's in a position to be very lucky to have time and money to pursue hobbies. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really 
interesting insight too, because yeah, we have kind of grown up in this era where like the side hustle is kind of mm-hmm. the thing. Everybody has something on the side that they're trying to either eventually build to take over their, their, you know, day job or their career or, mm-hmm. you know, something as, as well as what they're doing, or they have, you know, three different businesses going at once. And it's all in this pursuit of safety and security because mm-hmm. you're right. The traditional job market is not as secure as it once was like in our parents' generation. Oh yeah, I was I was chatting with uh, with my dad uh, I think over the holidays by Zoom. Don't worry, and um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know he's talking about you know he's getting ready to retire this coming year and he's so excited and he's got um, this thing. I, I've heard people talk about it, but it doesn't seem real. A pension? Oh, and, like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds it sounds great, but you know I can't imagine having one. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and we're on a, on the hook, so to speak, to pay for our own retirement. So that kind of pressure just really takes away the joy from a lot of things like hobbies and just doing something mm-hmm. and just relaxing. Because if we sit there and we're watching Netflix or we're reading a book or something to just kind of decompress, there's still that feeling inside of us where like, I need to do something productive. I need to be productive. Otherwise, somehow I'm doing it wrong. Exactly. And then like the future is looming. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the age when you're going to retire is is almost certainly going to happen. Uh, And, you know, if you know you can't rely on, on anything else to help you through it, then that's really scary. I can understand how it would kind of taint hobby time. Because, you know, mm. there is this real threat of the future looming. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I guess that's one of the things, feel like being an entrepreneur and having started a business makes me feel more secure than most of the traditional jobs that I've had because I figure I can usually figure out something to sell. I know the basics. If pressed, mm. I could I could sell a thing to a person or I could sell a service. Um, so I guess that's another way of looking at it and it kind of it takes the edge off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that reframing of it. Instead of being insecure, it's actually more secure because you have all mm-hmm. of those skills and everything that you need in order to provide for yourself if need be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, as long as the economy doesn't totally tank. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're at the point now where we're more of a global economy, so it's not yeah. going to completely fall out from under us. <laughs> Here's hoping. <laughs> I hope. I am not an economist, so don't yeah. quote me on that. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. So is there anything you'd like to leave us with here in terms of your work-life balance or what you've learned running your business? Any last takeaways here? Um, I'd say if, if you're in a position to do so, make work as interesting as possible. Um, so one of the things I, I love about work is being able to you know, start new products or come up with new offerings or even start side projects, but it all kind of fits within work time. Um, so you know, good processes, good delegating. I'm sorry, I'm just listing a whole bunch of other podcast topics for conversations you can have later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, taking notes. <laughs> um, and, and you know, uh, creating a company that doesn't need you on hand every single minute to run um, is probably the best way to preserve your time. Because if you can trust that you've got team members who know what to do and who can feel empowered to take the initiative to solve a problem on their own, um, you get a lot more of your mental space back. And that's a really, mm-hmm. really good thing. And it takes time to get there. I'd say it took us three, three and a half years. Um, but you know, having achieved that, yay team, love you very much. Thank you. And it it makes work a lot more relaxing. Oh, exactly. And even if you're not in the point or even have the desire to grow a team, there's so many course, different systems yeah. and processes that you can set up. Um, so many pieces of software that are coming out nowadays that are 
prevalent that can connect everything for you and take a Thank lot you. of the load. Yes. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> yeah. So even if you don't want to hire someone, there's definitely mm. some support systems that you can create in your business. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Now we touched on this before, but I'm interested to see if maybe you have a different answer now. Okay. So I ask everybody that's on the podcast, is there a hobby or creative pursuit that you do in your downtime that's just for you? Uh, yes. I grow vegetables. Vegetables. Yeah. Um, nice. I mean, uh, uh, you're in Canada, so you understand when I say, you know, only for six months of the year. Yeah. <laughs> a very short window, but. Um, yeah, that's, um, uh, I absolutely love growing vegetables. Um, it, it's completely different than anything I do work-wise or even for most of my hobbies, which are, you know, knitting, crochet, fiber craft, cooking, kind of the standard house things, but it gets me outside and just the the connection to the process of growing food um, mm. is is constantly exciting. Um, so that's the, probably the, the hobby that is the least commercial or commercializable uh, and, and definitely the one I, I enjoy the most. Wonderful. So was there something you grew last year that just did really well? Oh, let's see. Um, the thing I loved most from last year, um, it didn't grow beautifully, but I grew three different kinds of potatoes and I didn't get as many as I wanted, but they were the most delicious potatoes <laughs> that I've ever eaten. They were little blue ones and they were so good. Um, oh, yummy. Yeah. And then I absolutely love uh, brandywine tomatoes. Um, they're delicious, but very fussy. So I probably won't grow them again. Oh, okay. Yes. I've been looking for a good tomato strain to grow. And like I mentioned before, I'm not really a good gardener slash plant carer for us. So it's been many, many years of frustration. Try, <laughs> I always want sun- tomatoes. <laughs> um, if if you, little uh, cherry one, sun sugar mm. is a super, super easy variety to grow. Um, basically, if you throw a bunch of seeds out, it will grow. They want to be alive so bad. Awesome. <laughs> Those are the kind of plants for me. <laughs> They'll, they'll put up with so much abuse. They just want to live. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Megan. I was, I love this conversation. I had so much oh, fun today. Um, if you want to check out Megan, she's got all of her links down in the show notes below. So definitely go check her out. Give her a like, give her a follow and tell her I sent you. All right. Thanks so much, Megan. You have a fantastic day and thanks for joining me on the Well-Paid Creative Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Well-Paid Creative. All the discussions we have around these episodes mean a lot to me, and I love how much I learn from the creatives who listen in. Before we head out, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, visit wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. Join me for the next episode as we continue discussing how you can grow and love a profitable creative business. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone you think would benefit. Thanks so much. See you soon.